Hello and welcome to Just One Cornetto, a podcast discussing all things Greenock Morton. My name is Dean McKinnon and I am your host. Just One Cornetto is brought to you in association with themortonforum.com, your hub for the latest Morton news, analysis and debate. You can reach us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram at The Morton Forum. All participants on this podcast do so in an entirely personal capacity and as such their views are entirely personal to them. Just a quick warning that this podcast may contain a bit of adult language. Thank you all for listening and we hope you enjoy the show. Just one cornetto, give it to me, delicious ice cream, oh Hi everyone and welcome to another episode of Just One Cornetto, brought to you in association with the themortonforum.com and the Inverclyde Boiler Company. Well, where do we begin? Hopkin has resigned, we are currently managerless and in the midst of all that we have managed to beat one of the top teams in the championship 2-1 away from home. Joining me to analyse this week's happenings, we have Craig Dunning. How are you, Craig? I'm not too bad. Cheers, yourself? Aye, very well. And as ever, the fashionably late, oh, I've got technical difficulties, Mr Ewan Boyle. Very great. Why stop doing that with my mute button and let me press it? (sighs) Sorry, try it again, try it again. (laughs) And... You muted yourself there, yeah, wow. I know, because I was preparing myself to unmute myself. Oh, <laughs> calm, 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 sorry. I'm just emotional. <laughs> I am here, I'm a little bit sad with Hoppy, but I'm sure we'll get on to that. All right, so let's start at the very beginning. About 10 to 2 on Thursday afternoon, a thread was started on the Morton Forum, claiming that a reliable inside source had given information that Hopkin had walked out of the club following an altercation with the board. The Tilly's Chris Dodds tweets confirming the story at 2.37pm. More than five hours later, the story's confirmed with Morton releasing a statement that was at 7.47 and the statement goes as thus. Greenock Morton has announced that manager David Hopkin is leaving the club following a period that has seen Scottish football facing the devastating impact of the coronavirus pandemic. The manager offered his resignation this act to help safeguard the playing squad and assist the club as it deals with the serious financial issues resulting from the pandemic. Moving forward, assistant manager Anton McElhone will take over as interim manager with support from players Chris Miller, Jim McAllister and Brian McLean. Chairman Crawford Ray said, Hoppy has been an inspiration since joining the club and has worked tirelessly to try and regain success. That has evaded us for so long. I spoke to Hoppy on numerous occasions about coming to the club as manager and he said that it was the one club he wanted to get to the top flight. Unfortunately, the visions and plans that we discussed changed dramatically due to the COVID pandemic and we found ourselves having to deal with a completely different football landscape. This was very difficult for me, Hoppy, and everyone involved at the club, but we had to adapt to the situation we found ourselves in. I discussed bud- budgets with Hoppy this morning and we looked at possible ways to improve our financial position. In a selfless act, he said he would resign the club financially. We talked about this at some length, and I eventually and reluctantly accepted his resignation. The simple fact is that Morton, like other football clubs, generated little to no income as the pandemic has raged across the country. 
and we had to contend with empty terraces week after week. The furlough scheme has partially helped and the Scottish Government announced the Scottish Government announcement about funding is welcome if very late. But like so many other businesses at the moment, we need to generate considerably more revenue if we are to survive. Fortunately, the news about a vaccine has provided has provided a ray of light that we hope will result in fans being allowed back into grounds at some point next year. In the meantime, we would ask that our fans continue to support the club in any way they can. Every Morton game is streamed live and it would help boost the club if more fans, both old and new, would sign up to receive the games. The fans are unlike the work of Graham McLennan and his future and his team at Morton Club together has been incredible over the last year. MCT is the future of Green at Morton and we are working hard to try and ensure the club is in the best position possible when they take over next season. All right, we will go to you first, Ewan. What do you make of the statement from the club? There was, there's a few things that, that, that pops up. I mean, first and foremost, um, the idea that the manager's away, right? Now, it was clear what we was trying something, the, the philosophy, um, whether fans agreed with it or not, he was trying something different and he was trying, he had an intent to play football that would, and, and his coaching that would win games. But, I, I mean, there's, 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 there's bits here that, the club has generated little to no income. Now, I don't know how much Morton brings in from season tickets from the people buying um, the streams now. I have no idea, but I can imagine that it would still be a fair amount. Now, it also goes back to like the recruitment of players. Recruitment of players is... We've brought in some good players. There's no doubt about it. Nobody can ignore it. We have brought in some good players, but we've also brought in some kind of players that you might are good for a team but not necessarily needed in these times when we we need we need money and we need money that's going to help the squad now if you're bringing in players that will not necessarily be crucial to a team but just kind of help out a team these players are are, are obviously going to put doing this put doing the budget and, and affect the budget but it goes back to now I'm not I don't know how to run a football club I'm not going to sit here and say that I do but I sure as hell know that with how many stewards are in, in Capelo for, for a game in a match day? Again, I have no idea. But I can imagine that we've probably got a good few. Do we need a good few? Do we actually need a good few? Or are we just running from from the, the process of a match day? Are we trying to just cover our, our, our back? Because I don't know I don't know how many stewards there is, as I've said, but I'd imagine that there's you could you could do it away with, with a good few of them, and that's a wage. As a wage you've freed up. But it's just so it's so sad. It's so sad that we're in this position. I'm just gutted because we're I don't mean to exaggerate, but I genuinely think we're on we're in dire straits and we're on our last legs. And it's so sad to see. And the pandemic's obviously had an impact on it. But this has been coming. This has been coming for years. There's been managers left and managers that have left because of incidents like this. This shouldn't keep happening and shouldn't keep happening for years to come. This we're just in the wrong we're in the wrong position. And it's just so, so sad to see. So I just where do we go? I, I don't know. And that statement kinda uh, along with a lot of the fans was tough to read. And I think from that we can see that we really are on our last legs and it's again as I've said, it's just so sad to see. Yeah, there's an awful lot to unpack here in this statement. 
to pick up on a few items in it. And I'll quote, I discussed budgets with Hoppy this morning and we looked at ways to improve our financial position. In a selfless act, he said he would resign if that would help the club financially. We talked about this at some length and I eventually and reluctantly accepted his resignation. Bits of this just don't ring true. If this was as amicable as Crawford seems to be claiming it is in this statement, why would David Hopkins be walking away 48 hours before a game? Why would there not be an attempt at something of a smoother transition? Now, I absolutely believe that, yes, uh, David Hopkins and Crawford Ray have discussed the financial situation and that has led to David Hopkins walking away from the club. It's very difficult to believe for me that it's as amicable as Crawford Ray's put it across here. I can absolutely believe they've discussed the financial situation and David Hopkins has walked away, but that it's been more of a shove your job up your ass then uh, resignation as opposed to, uh, well, I will honourably and nobly fall on my sword to protect the club. It's very hard to believe. What we've also got in this statement, sorry, Dean, uh, what we've also got is discussing you know, the, the lack of revenue. So the simple fact is that Green at Morton, like other football clubs, has generated little to no income as the pandemic, the pandemic has raged across the country and we've had to contend with empty terraces week after week. Right, nobody at any club had an easy job this summer, this pre-season, in terms of making a budget for this season. That's a challenge every club has faced. No one is claiming any football club had that easy. However, everyone knew this was a possibility. Everybody knew it was possible that we might still not have fans back by now. Clubs had to prepare for that. And how have they contrived to budget so badly that you know there's rumours flying, flying around that what Crawford Ray had asked uh, David Hopkins to do was you know shed five or six players from the wage bill. Surely the budgeting should have you know, we should have had contingencies for every scenario, and you had to prepare for the worst case. How do we get things so badly wrong that you know, were six players too deep? It's just, it, frankly, it reeks a bit of incompetence and negligence. So do you think then, as you alluded to, the persistent rumours on social media that seem to suggest, as you said, that five or six players had to be shed in January with no one being brought in, do you think that is a more realistic account of the conversation that was held between the chairman and the manager? Yeah, I mean, I think... It's highly possible to me, it sounds a, a lot more feasible than the official story we're getting, frankly, that Crawford Ray has said, we need to pick five or six players who go. And uh, Hawkins said, no, I'm not doing it. You can shove your job. Do you think there's a touch of crassness in the statement? I'm just looking, obviously, down towards the very end. In the meantime, we would ask our fans to support the club in any way they can. Every Morton game is streamed live and it would help boost the club if more fans old and new would sign up to receive the games. Given this is the third manager to have an altercation with Crawford Ray and then walk away from the club afterwards, is there a touch of crassness to that? When I was reading it, it seemed as though it was... That statement was almost, please don't shout at us. And just from reading it, it it seemed as though they were saying... Please don't say anything bad towards us. Please support the team. Now, absolutely, please support the team and we'll continue to till the day we die. But in this time, should there not be more answers than what, what there is of please support the team? Who who we, listen, who we sit here and say yes or no? But I think to touch on the, the rumour of the the five or seven players, whatever it was, now, 
if that's happened, I think that's even worse than what we've actually seen because how how has this even been allowed in the first place that we've to, we've we've been allowed to get these five or six, seven players that and again it's it's only rumours we don't know but if somebody's if right at the start of the season we're saying right you've you've got a budget there right you can get five players you can get sorry five players you can get all these players um and that's fine the budget's there for you why was it fine then and not now I have no idea how that's happened but I the the statement was that specific that also was just a bit it was just a bit please don't shout at me and I think we 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 should have seen more to be honest. Yeah, it's in the circumstances, it's a bit of a brass neck, frankly. You know, every Walton game is streamed live. It would help boost the club if more fans, both old and new, would sign up to receive the games. Really, we're in this situation and you're trotting out the, the old bring a friend card. That's what you have to offer at this point in time. You know, front up a bit, you know, give us some give us some honesty. You know, we have a we have a first team squad of twenty-two players. That's a large squad. We also have you know, a further 10 players out on loan and don't be wrong, I, you know, those are all young players, none of them are going to be on big money, but I also highly doubt that, you know, any of the clubs that are on loan are covering the full wages of those players. So why why do we have 32 players on the books? You know, the board signed off on that in the summer and t- to some extent, you know, regardless of the rights and wrongs of how this has happened, you know, David Hopkins is to blame for this as well. Because you know, there's been the talk, and obviously you know, this is you know the circumstances have got mainstream media attention, and you had stuff like uh, Chick Young saying yesterday on Sports Sound, "Oh well, the situation's dire at Morton; they can't afford to to have a second choice goalkeeper." Well, sorry, no, we have a 22 man squad. It's not like we're running with a squad of 13 or 14. We could have afforded to have a second choice goalkeeper. It's just that David Hopkins chose to stockpile 10 identical attackers instead. You know, signing. Nine identical attackers and uh, putting the wage towards a goalkeeper, and you know, regardless of the rights and wrongs of how you know the club have gone about this, the fact is you actually could drop six players from this squad, and yeah, then we'd have a very tight squad of sixteen, but we'd still you could drop a couple of midfielders and four attackers. We'd still have adequate cover in midfield and attack. The shortages in that sixteen-man squad would be the exact same shortages we have now. I no cover at fullback, little cover at centre back, and no second choice goalkeeper. But the fact is, you know, we built up that squad of twenty-two. You know, we don't know has Hopkins sort of gone over his budget in the summer, has he been asking for more money? But the fact is, you know, regardless of how David Hopkins went about that, the board allowed him to do it. You know, the board allowed him to build up that twenty-two man squad. You know, see if you're going to turn around and plead poverty and say you need more help from the fans now. Give us a bit of honesty and humility and explain why you let this happen. And again, no one's claiming it was easy for, for any club. Yes, we're in completely unprecedented circumstances. Clubs had no way of knowing exactly how much income they would be capable of bringing in. But you know what? You're complaining about not having enough revenue. Compare us to every other club in the Championship. Where are the attempts to sort of bring revenue in? Where's some you know, merchandise in the lead up to Christmas? If it's that desperate a situation, you should be scrambling to eke out every penny you can. They aren't. This idea of Hoppy bringing in all these attackers and stuff, now, the budget was there to do it. And 
of course we can point at the right back, the like a, a, a kind of backup right back and the lack of a, a backup goalkeeper and that or that's it doesn't help the squad, doesn't need it about that. But the budget was there for Hoppy to bring in all these attackers. So we can see oh Hoppy did this or Hoppy brought in all these attackers, which is fair enough. But maybe that's just he's a manager. He makes the decisions. Whether right or wrong is a whole different issue. But he he made those decisions. He's not to blame for Morton being over uh, been using over budget because that budget was there. I presume Crawford must have said to him, listen, bring in these players if you want, and Hoppy's done it. So we can't possibly sit back sit back and say, Oh, hold on, Hoppy, why are you used it? Why are you doing this? Why are you bringing on all these players? Because it'd be unfair if you had that budget and you had all these players in mind and you knew that you needed these players in your team. Why would you not do it? Because the budget's there. So I don't think to to come back to to see or oh, Hoppy shouldn't have Hoppy maybe shouldn't have or should have had a, a backup right back and a backup goalie. That's fair enough. And I think Hoppy would say that too. But I think that to say that he's 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 brought in all these attackers, the budget was there. And if he thinks the players are, are needed and if he thinks them players are suitable for, for Morton, then I don't think the issue lies with Hoppy. I think it lies with, with further up. Um so in that sense I, I don't personally think that, that Hoppy's, Hoppy's in the wrong because, as I've said, the budget was there and he had no reason not to use it. Do you think then, looking at the the squad that we did recruit in the summer, do you think it possibly points to either a lack of communication or a lack of control inside the club? Should there not have been someone, as we are signing player number 19, 20, 21, 22, there not have been someone saying, listen, by the way, you're reaching the end of your budget here. Where is the second choice goalkeeper? Where is the fullback? Where is the cover for left back? Do you think that it possibly points to a culture at Morton where there was a lack of cohesion and a lack of control? I, I think certainly that we should have foreseen it. You know, we should have we should have been able to see right. We've not got a, a backup right back. We've not got a backup left back. We've not got a backup goalkeeper. We should have seen it. There's no doubt about it. But, I mean, who deals with that? Should it be down to the manager? They say, right, hold on, I'm getting over my budget here. Should it be down to the chairman? Should it be down to somebody out with Morton, the chief exec? Should it be down to employing somebody new to deal with the, the finances and to deal with, with, with the budgeting in terms of transfers and, and scouting, etc.? Should we be doing that? I mean, what, we just should have seen it coming. And it annoys me. And it, again, I'm just gutted because we should never be in this position. We should never have been here in the first place. And it's just, we just need to, we can't make this mistake again. I know it's easy for us to to come out now and say that these mis- mistakes can't happen again. And I hope and pray that we, we don't be put in a position like the pandemic where we, we are struggling because there's no doubt about it, right? The pandemic is, has an absolutely awful impact on us, and not just us, clubs across the country, and it's awful. But basic things like that, where we don't have cover for a position, way the budget that we had, and that we we did have, we brought in all these attacking players, and that's fine. But like, if we've got somebody sitting back and saying, right, we need cover there, we need cover there, and we need cover there, these scenarios probably shouldn't happen. 
again, it's easy for us to say like what he should and shouldn't do, but we we definitely should have seen this coming. Yeah, look, the, the buck stops with the board. Uh, ultimately, I mean, yeah, it's down to a manager to make signings. It's you know the manager gets given his budget and it's up to him how to use it. You can debate the rights and wrongs of that as a model for you know clubs at Morton's level. You know, should there be? Yeah, I, I don't think we should be paying the wage of you know, a director of football specifically, but yeah, you know, you can argue the rights and wrongs of the board having more oversight over what the manager does. But ultimately, what's gone wrong here is the budget that's been set. So the butt starts with the board. And you're speaking about a lack of cohesion and control. Where is Dave McKinnon in all this exactly? And don't get me wrong, we don't know what discussions are going on inside Capital. We don't know how they're, you know, what they're planning to to try and deal with the finance or you know, if they are planning anything, if they're just hoping to blunder on and hope everything works out okay with no plan. We've sort of got that statement and that's it. Radio silence from the club again. Just One Cornetto is brought to you in association with the Inverclyde Boiler Company. We are an Inverclyde-based award-winning boiler company. Since our incorporation, we have established ourselves as the go-to company for all things boilers in Inverclyde, known for our unrivaled service and professionalism in fitting new boilers. We are now the lead accredited installer of Worcester Bosch and Ideal Boilers in Inverclyde, installing over 400 boilers last year, and that's no easy achievement. At the Inverclyde Boiler Company, the customer is everything, from our family to yours. The team will be with you every step of the way to ensure your boiler installation is as smooth, straightforward and simple as it can be. We are a company that takes pride in our staff along with the integrity and quality of our work. With our stringent quality control policies and safety visits in place, you are guaranteed the highest quality of service, delivery, installation and aftercare. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram. You can email us info at theinverclydeboilercompany.co.uk or call us on 01475 To then take a more long-term look at what's happened at Morton over the last three or four years, when you look at the press coverage that we got, obviously, when, when Ray McKinnon walked out after, don't know, 90 days or something in charge, the way that Johansson and Houston left before the last game of the season, after it transpired that the board were trying to strong-arm them into not starting Charlie. Then the way Hopkin has moved has moved on again in rather acrimonious circumstances. What sort of damage do you think that does to the club's reputation in terms of trying to attract managers, coaches and players to the club? I think that we we have, and it's devastating to say, but we've just become a laughingstock. Just an absolute laughing stock because these these now we joke about Ray and we, we joke about JJ, but see from people looking into Morton, that is just an embarrassment for a club. It's been happening for years. This isn't just been a one off thing with Hoppy and I think Hoppy's it's built up. I think it's just been the epitome of Morton that this that managers leave before they should. Hoppy shouldn't have left now. We know that. GG shouldn't have left when he did. Ray McKinnon should never have left when he did. But they did. And why does that happen? I think we can have a fair guess at why it happens. And clubs looking at us will just laugh at us. They'll just laugh at us. And as well, like we talk about who 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 want a job and who who want to manage Morton. Who would want to manage Morton? In the circumstances that we're in. 
there's so so many negative negative things happening at Morton and negative connotations when you mention the word Morton right now. And that is devastating to see. It is devastating that managers come and go in such a short space of time. And I just want I just want the best for Morton. Everybody wants the best for Morton. I hope Crawford wants the best for Morton. But right now we're not showing it. Right now we're not doing anything. Like and that statement you go back to I hope people pay me to watch Morton support Morton. Well pitch it to us. Pitch is a reason to support Morton. I were in the toughest of times. But pitch is a reason that will make us come back and watch Morton. Because right now, in the space of two years, when we've had managers upon managers leaving and leaving, there is no reason why we should pay. There's no reason why we should pay money to watch this club. Pitch it to us. Make us watch the club. This has been going on for too many years. Make us have a reason to watch this club. Because right now, we do not. Aye, the word is tinpot, isn't it? And that's not just been the the two years of, of Crawford. It's been the the 20 years. It's been, it's been 20 years of tin pottery and look every time a managerial job comes up you know there are far more people who want to work in football management than there are jobs you're always going to get people interested in any full-time management job however are we going to be seen as a desirable club you know we know how how tin pot the club is viewed as purely from the things that are you know public knowledge but then there's stuff like you know like the Davy Irons interview uh, you did the, you know, that story about... Um, the fantastic Davy Irons interview was what you meant to say there, I think you'll find. Sen- yes, sensational, can I, say, can I say sensational if that's okay? Yes, you may. Sensational, Sorry, Craig. Yes. No, you're quite <laughs> all right. Um, yeah, th- that story about, you know, being accused of blowing the budget on McGuffey and Jenkins when uh, McGuffey and Jenkins <laughs> signed for Morton before Davy Irons was a manager... How many more stories do you think there are like that that have never seen the light of day but are common knowledge among people who work in football? The club's reputation you know, has had 20 years of being dragged through the mud due to a combination of arrogance, incompetence and negligence and it just has to stop. Regardless of the rights and wrongs of any individual decisions, any individual managerial appointments and fallouts the overall picture is one of just rank incompetence so we'll move it on there obviously on the thursday david hopkins resigns thursday evening morton put out the statement friday morning morton club together then issued their statement i'm just going to read it in full morton club together were disappointed by yesterday's announcement of the resignation of the former manager david hopkins with the season only two months old and shortened due to COVID-19, the impact upon the remainder of the season of losing a manager is undoubtedly a concern. From our work in progressing towards the transition to community ownership, it has become clear to us the club's financial position. We also understand that this is an unusual season and realise that planning for this campaign was difficult to predict and project with any accuracy. Despite that, and with MCT's significant financial backing, the former manager was provided with a budget we are led to believe was the best the club could offer. The budget, which may have been viewed as far from ideal from some, allowed for a first team of 22 players to be retained and recruited. The club have publicly advised in their statement that the manager had resigned to help with the financial challenges faced. While this may be a commendable action, we also do have concerns 
on both the consequences and the responsibility now placed on any managerial successor. Nevertheless, the fiscal situation faced by the club is clearly significant. MCT has been able to gain more insight in the past weeks on these pressures and have concerns which go beyond the present managerial situation. These are now shared by the board of the club. As an organisation, we want to be frank with our members and the wider fan base. The reality is at stake right now. For MCT, the focus remains on being the future of the club. We are working towards this transition and indeed the appointment of a second MCT representative to the Greenock Morton board that will help that. Throughout our feasibility work and dealings with the club, we believe that a fresh start will not only be beneficial but is crucial for the future of the club. We know it is tough in the face of ongoing adversity, but we would ask that all Morton fans come together and get behind MCT, allowing us to move Morton forward into a new era in our history, one that fans will have one that will have fans at the heart of it. We will be updating on our progress behind the scenes and the work ongoing towards this transition early in 2021. But for now, we ask that Morton fans everywhere who want to change and want a fresh start get behind MCT and help be that change. Together, we have potential a fresh start, something it is clear that there is an appetite for. In the immediate term, we hope whatever managerial outcome is reached will be one that helps give stability and gives fans a renewed resolve to help get the club through the remainder of the season. What is your reaction to that statement, guys? I think that it was pretty powerful, I must say, because MCT clearly acknowledged that we're we're in tough times. I mean, we're definitely in tough times. And I think by that statement, MCT's acknowledging that. Now, I think that the issue with the Morton statement T was is we did see we had like the impact of COVID and stuff, but we never actually said like the the how 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 tough it actually is just now. But I think like once it, one a scene was uh, or one quote from from this that I, that really stood out was whilst this maybe a commit or the club have publicly advised in their statement that the manager has resigned to help with the financial challenges faced. While this may be a commendable action, we also do have concerns on both the consequences and the responsibility now placed on any managerial successor. Now, these are just a few lines, but these lines are crucial because at that point you're acknowledging that it'll be tough for any manager to come in now and it'll be tough for for a manager to come in and, and have the desired impact and not really, not really struggle. I think right now, any manager that's going to come in, particularly in the situation we are in, will struggle. And it's, I, I don't want to put any managers off that are listening, but it's true because we are in a time of financial hardship. We are in a time of of a financial struggle. And by saying that, that I listen, it is commendable that the manager, according to the statement, has left... Um, due to the financial challenges that we face. But it's also going to make it even harder for Morton now to continue um, or to try and get to a position where in these times we are financially secure. The manager leaving, although will make it the, the budget and stuff um, probably better, it still puts Morton in a position where we're out of a manager. And like it or not, that is tough for a club. And without a manager, you can't have a, a stability. 
because there's always the question of who's going to take over, who's not going to take over, is anybody going to take over, is a player going to take over, these are going to be happening for weeks and weeks, and there's always going to be a kind of, a kind of variation each week of what fans think and what fans don't think, and that that can encourage a financial stability, that can only do bad, so I, I like the MCT statement, and it, it was an attempt to bring people together, you know, in these times where it's tough and we people are maybe not going against Morton, I'd, I'd hope that no Morton fan will ever go against the club because if you go against the club, then we'll go even worse. And that's as simple as it is. If, if you go against the club, then the club can he get to this financial stability and can he get to this togetherness that we desire. But that MCT statement was a rally call. It was a rally call for Morton fans to come together and say, right, change is needed and the time for change is now. All this has just happened. Fans are all still quite understandably a bit worked up about it. What's happened, what's been said about the danger we're in. It's raw. Um, people are emotional. But uh, yeah, if I can pick up on, on some word in that statement. Uh, we believe that a fresh start will not only be beneficial, but it's crucial for the future of the club. We know it is tough in the face of ongoing adversity, but we would ask that all Morton fans come together and get behind MCT, allowing us to move Morton forward into a new era in our history, one that will have fans at the heart of it. I think everyone, you know, a lot of fans have gotten right behind MCT, you know, since since the ownership announcement. They, you know, their memberships increased considerably and fans are buying into it. MCT are in an awkward position, in a sense, in terms of their relationship with the club, where there's ongoing negotiations about the takeover and there are MCT directors sort of shadowing, starting to work, work with the club, you know, to learn what's involved in running a football club. I think you can debate whether you know some people at Morton are the best people to learn that from. But uh, sorry, cheap shot. I digress. Um, what they've said there is that you know fans need to get behind them, and yeah, they absolutely do. But I think also sort of the rules of the game have changed in the last few days. Frankly, like a lot of people, I had concerns about the stadium situation when you know the the plans for MCT taking over were announced. But I accepted that. You know, we were being told Golden Casket retaining ownership of the stadium was the way forward. It was the way things had to be for the takeover to go through. And MCT are the only show in town. It's the only takeover that's possibly happening. So you know, we have to get behind it and try to make it work. However, now, in the last few days, we are now seeing the situation where the club are acknowledging that they've messed up. You know, They've put us in financial peril again. And so, uh, you know, coming to the fans with a begging bowl saying we need more support, we need help to get through this. Well, fine, you know, we'll give you help for something in return. See if you want um, you know, more support from fans. Give us something for it. The stadium needs to be back on the table in these takeover negotiations now. The the situation has changed. You want more help from fans, you give us something in return. You are not coming to us with a begging bowl, getting something in return and still swanning off into the night with ownership of the stadium. No, you're not you're not doing a run up with the club's assets. Not having it. Do you think then going from the reaction across social media and in particular on the forum, which I think is busier than it's been in years possibly ever. I'm not for a second, I'm trying to word this very delicately because I don't want inferences to be drawn that possibly aren't there. Do you think the the reaction to the statement combined with the reaction to the MCT statement 
have fans united against Crawford Ray and do you think the stadium is now a realistic goal for fans to pressure Golden Casket into getting back round the table? There seems to be an element now of 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 animosity to can't pronounce that word. <laughs> animosity. That is better. Um can oh, I thanks very much. I'm proud of myself there. Um, there seems to be an element of animosity towards the club now for the first time in a good long while we, we're edging into territory that you could be seeing a civil war ending up and that is no exaggeration we we are edging into that territory because fans now are seeing the potential consequences that can come from the the, the club in the future and it's it's this idea of the 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 lease for Capolo that could be a fundamental factor in these fans and these supporters. Now, I'll 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 always support the club regardless of how tough times are. I will always support them, but there is people that will go against the club on this basis that 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 there's still a, a lease for Capolo and. That could end badly, and it could end really badly, and we don't want that. I mean, it's as simple as that. Nobody wants this, this self-proclaimed civil war that that could end up happening because all these factors can't help a football club. You, it cannot help a football club because if you, if people are fighting amongst one another, then how can you succeed? How can how how can you do well? Now the forum has been tasty. There's there's no doubt about it. I I don't actually. This is genuine. I don't actually um, have a profile on the forum, so I'm sorry about that. I, I, I know, I know, and and I'm sorry about that. Um, I've just, I've just always thought that I, I don't know what I've always thought. I don't know why I don't have one, but I'm going to continue. I think because I like looking through the outside in and not having to actually deal with people, which is great. Um, but I have been reading the forum, and everybody, it seems, has a general view. Of the the future is bleak, the future is tough, but with the help of Morton Club together, and by focusing in on this this lease in the Capitol Park, it seems as though people are acknowledging that something needs to happen. With it. I mean, that doesn't seem that that's the way forward, and I don't really know too much about it, so I I can't I I don't know what's happening with it. And I'll, I'll need to read further up on it because that's that's clearly clearly a bad thing. It's got to be said. But I think that this fans are passionate about it, and fans will make sure that something happens with it that will suit them. Because if it doesn't, and that's still happening, I I, I don't even want to think about what will happen because I, as I've said, there could be an absolute civil war going on if that happens. Yeah, uh, speaking about you. Know, the forum being busier, I think you you can um, sometimes sort of you know, as someone who you know, perhaps has a bit of a reputation for uh, negativity myself. I think you can sometimes say that the forum maybe isn't always entirely representative of the views of the support. You know, if it comes to negativity about players and managers, however, with this there is genuine anger, you know, and emotion just now. And I don't think that's remotely restricted to just a few people posting on on forums or you know posting on social media. There's a genuine anger that uh, things have been allowed to get to this position by the club. I just wonder 
you know, in a context where games are behind closed doors, there's not really, you know, away from the internet, there's not really much of an outlet for fans to express themselves towards the club. I wonder if Morton and Golden Casket understand the depth of feeling there is about this now. There's there's genuine anger and look, no one wants things. You know, there's anger because no one wants things to to deteriorate further. You know, I, you know, I, I, I was only I, I was only you know nine or ten nine or ten years old at the time. Save the Tom was going on, so yeah. I mean, I didn't uh, I didn't really have any any grasp of you know the finer financial you know issues at the time. You know, I remember well enough how horrible it was. Uh, you know, having a genuine existential threat, not knowing when you went to Capelo if it was going to be the last ever time. No one wants wants things to get back to that point again. And yeah, I think Golden Casket need to understand that there's a real depth of feeling among the support that that's the position Golden Casket have caused this club to be in now. How do you think the fallout from Hopkins' resignation has changed the dynamics of the takeover and possible relationship between MCT and Golden Casket? I think this this resignation for Hopkins is, is, is huge, I think, in terms of, of the club, in terms of the club going forward. And I think that it might even intensify MCT. That might even bring bring it more to the attention than it already is. Because I think that fans are now seeing the dangers of of the club. Fans are now seeing this agreement with Golden Casket, um, which listen we we we've got to say that this is what Crawford's done in terms of of paying off the debt, which I, I'm sure is happening. It's happening, isn't it? Yeah, it's, it's it's been written off and sort of um, yeah, in blocks of for for every hundred thousand pounds that MCT put into the club, mm-hmm. you know, uh, a sort of five hundred thousand pound block of debt is written off. Oh, that's actually quite good. Right, sorry, continue. I think the idea that Crawford is paying off the debt that he is is we cannot ignore how important that could be, Morton. But that's no. That doesn't give him a free pass with this agreement with Golden Casket, eh, agreement between Golden Casket and Caplo, Caplo. Because again, I don't know too much about this agreement, so I can't say right what you're doing, Crawford. Because I don't, I don't know. But I'm judging it on the basis of the fans and how passionate the fans have been. That this is a growing concern for fans, and this is something that that needs to be worked on. And this this resignation for Hoppy could encourage us. I'd noticed as well that um, no context. Morton actually put up on Twitter. It was this rallying call which we've seen with with, with MCT as well. This rallying call to fans to stand up for themselves, to 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 stand up for Morton. Um, it's really it's well worth a read. It's got to be said. This it's on the, the no context Morton, and it's basically to summarise it. It's basically highlighting the the issues of of what can happen from from this agreement between Capolo and Golden Ta- Casket and it's this idea that it's well, it, it, the dangers of it. So I think that fans are growing their concerns and this resignation for Hoppy can only mean that these, interns are, these concerns are intensified and that these concerns are going to just get higher and higher and become more clearer. Yeah, and I think things have got to this point now that you know, there is this anger and the support. There's yeah, these various sort of rallying cries. 
going around, I think it sort of greatly reduces the chance of this process of the takeover continuing to be amicable. And you know, as we've said, yeah, MCT are in a difficult position. They need to maintain some sort of relationship with the club to you know, allow negotiations to progress. However, yeah, with the depth of feeling, I think it's it's going to be very hard for this relationship to remain amicable, frankly. I'm not saying that it's going to turn into some sort of hostile takeover, but yeah, there's some very tough conversations ahead. And frankly, if it comes down to it, you know, MCT are the future of this club and they need to therefore maintain the support of the fan base. And therefore, you know, if that means having you know, very difficult conversations with Golden Casket, then they have... Sorry. Yeah, if, if that means having difficult conversations with Golden Casket, then, frankly, MCT maintaining their credibility among the Morton support is a far bigger priority than MCT not offending Crawford Ray or Golden Casket. We'll move on slightly then. Obviously, we've looked, we've looked then at the kind of fallout from... Hopkins' resignation and what impact that might have on the club. Allow ourselves a, a moment of reflection. How would you sum up Hopkins' tenure at Morton over the 18 months that he was in charge? I think, as I mentioned right at the start, Hoppy tried something. Hoppy was trying something that we've not done. He clearly had a philosophy that he was trying to implement at the club. He had at Livy and it was clearly effective at Livy. But I think the big downfall with Morton, and this is no not to shoot down any of them players because they gave 100% as shown in Saturday which we'll get to but the issue at Morton is we don't have the players that Livingston had we don't have the the the, the players to, to implement them tactics now Hoppy has had some fantastic results we cannot ignore that I mean Queenie South away was just brilliant I mean really good that tenure eh, tenure that type period of time just before the coronavirus, yes, we might have not been playing the most attractive football, but we were winning games. In fact, we were only losing games. That's the most important thing. But when the issue with the football, as much as it was different and as much as it was it was trying something new, the issue was when we were losing and the football wasn't going well, it was clear the football wasn't going well. And that's that, that's a risky take when you try and play the, the, the football that we did play over these last couple of months. Hoppy's a, a modern man. I mean, I, I would know that as as much as anybody that Hoppy is a modern man, and Hoppy only wanted what's best for the club over these this period of time. And I, the football wasn't pretty, and I there was some honking results that we can't ignore. I'm looking at Partick Thistle away and uh, Dundee United when we get hammered, uh, Brora at home. No, there's, there's there's many, many games that have plagued this his tenure at Morton, which weren't the prettiest and weren't the best. But we can see, unlike a lot of the managers which has come and gone at Morton, he, he tried something. And he tried to he tried to be different and he tried to get a go. Now some managers come in and just and just do their job and don't really try anything different. And but he tried it and Again, the football wasn't pretty, and I think people look back in his time and, and, and point on that, and particularly these last couple of games um, when when we're going to our growth and stuff, I we got a point out of it, but it was tough to watch, particularly that first half. Second half were, were better in that game, but the first half, it was really tough to watch. And 
we can look back and, and see the players which Hoppy's had with Nicky Catton and how far he got him come, or how far he he, he, he progressed him, and, and Jack Baird, how good he was, Danny Rogers, that's a credit to Timo. These players are have been great to see at Morton, and it's been great to see them um, perform as well as they did. But there's kind of also players that have, have came here and, and not really, I'm, I'm thinking Aidan Nesbitt, he's not really had much of a chance at Morton, which is a shame to see. And he's a top player. Like, I see a top player. He's a top player for Morton. And he should be a top player for Morton. They didn't really get a look in. Now, we don't know the relationship between a manager and a player or whoever it may be. But there seemed to be a kind of a reluctance to play him over his, over his, his tenure at Morton. And fans, fans never looked nicely upon that or never looked posit- positively upon this reluctance to play in this. But there was even team players or people from other teams were questioning why why we weren't playing Nesbitt. And I think people will always remember it. But I want us to remember it as David Hopkins came to Morton as a Morton fan, tried something new, tried something different in them period of 10 games. I think he was unlucky last time with coronavirus. I, I think we could have kept going and going um, because we had this momentum. And after coming back through the coronavirus and with the difficulties of the club, it was clear that it was clear it was always going to be difficult for him. We produced some great results and some memorable players as well during this time. Ultimately, we, we, we just we never got going, and when we did go get going, and there the, was the the pandemic and stuff, it was maybe the right manager just at the wrong time. And I know it's a cliche thing to say, but. He, he's he's clearly a good manager with Livy and he's clearly it's clear he's got tactics and a philosophy that can work but we didn't have the players we've had a tough time with budget and stuff if he did come at an hour point it might have been a whole different story but it's clear he was trying something and it's clear that that football was an attempt to try and get to where we've always wanted to, to be and it's a premiership but we never got there. It's as simple as that. We never got there. Yeah, I would say that if you're looking at you know sort of the big negative, I think recruitment has really been David Hawkins' downfall. If you look at if you look at Livingston, you know, I think it's quite unfair. A lot of the the way Livingston are looked at, not just unfair on David Hawkins, unfair on Gary Holt as well. The way that people look at it and go, "Aye, it's all about David Martindale." You know, he's the you know he's the brains of the operation. I mean, he, the guy obviously has a has a big role at Livingston. However, I don't I don't think it's nearly as simple to say that the manager's just a figurehead who's not really doing anything. When you can clearly see, you know, from Hopkins to Miller to Holt, there was differences with each manager in Livingston's style of play. However, what I think you can clearly see is, you know, David Martindale had a big role in recruitment at Livingston, and for whatever reason, David Hopkins doing it himself. Without singling out individual players, there were too many signings that just did not work out. And you know, over the course of last season, from January to to the season being being abandoned, we we did you know we, we did we did improve, and individual players improved through working with David Hopkins through David Hopkins coaching. You know, we found a settled system, and the players gelled within it. But you know, ultimately, that was that was a good. A good ten game spell over over those ten games from the start of January, we were the best team in the league. We took more points than anyone else. But you know what? It, 
we've ultimately had you know, a good 10-game spell in, in the 47 games he was in charge for. And yeah, of course, there were some other great individual performances in there. There were a hell of a lot of stinkers as well. And I think, you know, in terms of David Hopkins' stock as a manager, I, I, you know, I don't think uh, the spell at Morton's done him any favours his, for his you know, future career overall, to be honest. Um, you know, on the back of Livingston, yeah, things didn't work out for him at Bradford. But yeah, I think his stock was still quite high and you could have seen him, you could have seen him getting a lower end premiership job on the back of what he'd done at Livingston. I don't think that'll be that'll be happening now. Okay, guys, thank you very much for that. We've now been recording for just about an hour, and as it turns out, we had a game of football yesterday. So we did. Football's fish, <laughs> well, <yes. laughs> So Dunfermline won Morton two. Talk us through it, you. Bloody awesome, and I mean that. Bloody awesome, and absolute credit at each and every one of them. And I always. I always see it as, as new manager syndrome that new managers at teams always seem to do well or without a manager seem to do quite well but every one of them players were absolutely brilliant today or today on Saturday because I mean I'm looking at Aussie brilliant Reese Lyon fantastic everybody McAllister that's a team that's the way Morton should be playing dude I seen the Fairland fans and all replying to the them saying and saying, "Oh, we won the great now." Yeah, I thought they were actually quite good, but I just thought we were better. I thought we had a we 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 knew we'd come through these tough times. We 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 leaving etc. But that football was absolutely brilliant. It really was. It was absolutely brilliant. I think every one of them. There was not one player on that pitch. And a lot of the time, you can see. He was bad or he was bad. Not one of them you could come out and say he was bad because it belies. And I credit to Minch, I credit to Anton, I credit to Jim McAllister, I credit each and every one of them for pulling through in their darkest hour and coming out with a result like that. I, was, I, I did not expect us to get anything out of that game. In fact, I expected us to get absolutely hammered in that game. But each and every one of them just put in the highest of efforts and it just shows you what you can do if you do put your mind to it and do focus. And even when we brought on Nizzy towards the end, great impact. Robbie Muirhead. Robbie Muirhead. I've been crying out for this guy today, well. Fantastic. The big man was absolutely brilliant. I brought me so much pride. I thought they were just every one of them. I was so, so proud of them because we're in our darkest hour. We are in our absolute darkest hour. And then players went out there and put in a performance like that and brought joy to Greenock once again. And that is a credit to themselves, a credit to the interim manager, a credit to the players. We are back, baby. Uh, is he possibly overrigged the pudding a wee bit there, Craig? Actually, I was, right? I was. I was overrigged. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, I, mean, I do think yeah, yesterday was our best performance of the season so far. It was, you know, in a sense, it sort of confirms some of the negative things we were saying about about other games. We defended deeply, but not so deeply that we were in a permanent state of panic. You know, when the opposition were were within thirty yards of a goal, you know, the way we were at home to Hearts or away to Dundee. While we did sit deeply, we actually had a plan for how we were going to win the game, how we were going to get the ball up the park, and keep it up the park when we won possession. 
you know, it wasn't just the sort of aimless, you know, aimless way we were playing at Arbroath, where it was just, you know, when you get the ball, hoof it in the general direction of the opposition goal and hope for the best. You know, we actually had had a game plan and lo and behold, it worked. What a novel idea. Did the change to four two three one? did that work for you? Uh, yeah, I think it did. I think, you know, we've had such a problem with the midfield this season that they've either been, you know, there's not been enough enough bodies in there and they've been overcrowded or if they've not been crowded out, you know, there's just, there's not been a, enough of a link between the midfield and attack and, you know, who, whoever's up front has ended up isolated. Yesterday with, with Reese Lyon sitting beside Jim McAllister, you had someone who's comfortable, you know, taking the ball, you know, taking the ball into feet and moving us up the park rather than just, you know, sending it long for Aussie to chase. And obviously, like, I, you know, we did play long balls at times and, yeah, I'm absolutely fine with that. Uh, you know, I, honestly, I know some people are different, but I honestly couldn't really care about the style of play if it's effective. And we were effective yesterday. And, yeah, I think a lot of players did have the, you know, it was the best performance as a team so far this season. And yeah, a lot of players individually did did have their best performances. So yeah, um, I, I I mean I do have concerns in the sense of is the defence strong enough to cope with playing in a back four rather than a five? Still not not sure we can say that. You know, we've only had had yesterday as a as an example of that. So let's not get carried away. But yeah, I think ha- having the extra body in midfield definitely made a huge difference. Do you know what I noticed as well? And it's so simple. Now, we were still defensive, but I think the difference on Saturday was, see, when we were hoofing it up, there's somebody there, at least one person there waiting for the ball, or, or, or two players waiting for the ball. I, I go back to Arbroath. I don't think we had a player up front that was waiting for the ball any time we punted it. But when we punted it on Saturday, there was somebody always waiting to, to hold it up, to let the players have a chance to run up and... and and have a chance to attack on goal, which we we've done. I thought the substitutions were excellent. I thought, like, we're always crying out for substitutions and bring Nazio on and and bring various players on. I thought they were they were great, and I thought they had the desired impact. And when when McGuffey came on, he he looked brilliant. I mean, I thought he was really good. Getting his goal, it could go a long way for this player. And could he start playing? Who knows? Because. There's no reason why he shouldn't. He's just went and scored. So I, th- I think I think there was a clear shift and we've been crying for this shift to 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 work. And this shift, we could clearly see there's, a, there's more of an intent now. And any manager that's coming in or if it's going to be the, some of the players that take over, if it's going to be Anton that takes over, they should be taking notes of that game. That game's the way you should be playing. That game's the way that Morton should be playing effectively because it works and it clearly worked and there's no reason why it shouldn't work again as you mentioned there Craig the defence last season in the back four with McLean and McGinty was not particularly great however both of them have improved drastically this season albeit as part of a five how much of that do you think that their upturning form has contributed to their improved performance yesterday or do you think it was that that bounce that gets talked about when managers leave? I mean, I think there's maybe a bit of both. I mean, yeah, McLean and McGinty have both been a lot better uh, this season than last so far. We'll see if that if that lasts, particularly you know, playing in a two 
you know, there's questions over whether McLean has the has the legs to be doing that every week when he's kind of got less cover than he does in the does with three centre backs on the park. But yeah, I mean, ah, you can put it down to sort of new manager bounce or just you know a bit of a siege mentality in the squad where they've had a really rough few days. Another term to put it behind them. You know, maybe that's you know it's not explained by a cliche like that, and we were just due one. <laughs> um, you know we. You know, we were the better team, um, and I, I wouldn't say it was a performance any of us expected. Yeah, no, nobody really saw us winning that game, but we absolutely deserved it. And yeah, you could see just players being played to their strengths. Obviously, we still had guys out of position where with Ledger unavailable, there was no alternative to Jacobs at right back. And then Jacobs gets injured and Omar's back in there. But yeah, you know, even Omar was a lot better than, than he had been after his you know, difficult time against Hearts. It's a platform to build on. I'm not going to say, well, you know, definitely out the woods um, and could start looking at the table. But you know what? We, we keep getting points on the board, just ticking over, put a gap between us us and the bottom two. That's fine by me. Yeah, I think a quick word about Jim McAllister. I think his overall performance was excellent, but what a volley. The execution of that was absolutely imperious. That was really well taken. Obviously, Aussie's goal should have been given. We've seen pictures from one of the match photographers that shows it was clearly over the line, but let's not take away from the fact that Aussie should be busting the net with that one. You know, the goalkeeper shouldn't be getting a hand to it, let alone being able to smother it and then allowing the referee to make a decision and, you know, crack and finish from McGuffey coming, coming off the bench. Does it give us a little bit more optimism then, looking looking towards the rest of December, in particular next week against Queen of the South. This is definitely a, t- a chance for us to, to to hammer on. I think that Queen of the South is for the taking. There's no doubt about it. And it's the weird thing about this is, if we go... <laughs> I know I don't mean to be the, the fountain of all negativeness here, but if we get beat next week, the, the whole attitude changes again. So we don't want that. We want to just keep going and keep hammering on. And there's no doubt about it. Queen of the South is there for the taking. And if we play the way we did on Saturday, there's absolutely no reason why we can't beat Queen of the South. And that Saturday's a turning point. And that could be a famous last words. But Saturday is going to be a turning point that we can see what worked. Because it did work. Let's not get ourselves on. It worked. And we can see how effective we can be we have the potential to be a really, really good team, and we clearly showed that we can we can compete with it. I mean, Dunfermline is a big gun in this division. Let's let's not kid ourselves on. They are a big gun in this division, particularly this season. We can compete with them, as shown there. All we need today is just perform to the best that we can and perform like we did on Saturday. And you would hope that they would have had no issues towards the rest of the season. Uh, yeah, I'd just like to say that. Dunfermline have been on our mantelpiece for the best part of a decade and long may it continue. It's good to see <laughs> even without Gary Oliver being on the park and even you know, without Lee Robinson flying them in, still forever in our shadow. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Alright guys, elsewhere in the division, Aaron Wraith played out a 0-0 draw on Friday night. A Stefan Skookle goal gave Alawa a vital win at the bottom of the table away to our broth. Hearts demolished Queen of the South 6-1 at Tynecastle and Inverness and Dundee played out a 2-2 draw in the Highlands. The championship table, 
There's now a bit of daylight between Hearts and Dunfermline. At the top, Hearts on 18 and Dunfermline on 14. Wraith Rovers in air following their 0-0 draw, both sitting third and fourth on 12 points. Inverness are in fifth on 11. Morton are up to six. Up to sixth place on ten points, Dundee on nine, Alawa and Queen of the South both on four, and are both on two. All right, guys, that was a very, very long episode of Just One Carneto, but fantastic and lovely to have the pleasure of Craig Dunning. And suppose we tolerated you and just don't know, care in the community or something. <laughs> <laughs> very funny. I thought so. Thanks. <laughs> Cheers. Thank you. All right, guys. Thanks for joining us, and we'll see you all soon.